Griffiths again. Thank you to everyone who has joined this special Monday Night Football. Um, we couldn't get Gary Neville, we couldn't get Jamie Carragher. But we got the next best thing in Joe Donahue from Scouted Football. Joe, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much, Hidetoshi. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure to be on. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Uh, but no, no, thanks, thanks for having me on. It's uh, yeah, it's a, I'm sure it'll be a good laugh. Yeah, it should be. Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll get a lot of insight from you into how Scouted came about, but about yourself. Um, and oh, sorry, actually, Owen, you're here as well. Uh, really, really yeah. to completely bypass you. Um, so sorry. Uh, how are you? And you good? I'm good, mate. Yeah, you all right? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm quite excited for this conversation. Um, so yeah, we're joined by Joe Donahue from Scouted Football. Um, so Joe, uh, let let's start off with just a little bit about who you are, what you do, uh, for anyone that's been under a rock for the last, you know, however many years. Um, so basically, I'm I'm a I'm a journalist for Leeds Live, um, covering Leeds United. Um, which is which is really exciting. Um, it's sort of my first proper gig in 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 sort of written journalism um, and in as a career sort of thing. So um, really, just still learning the ropes, really. But um, it's it's exciting. It's different every day. Um, it's pretty much you know everything that the the they say in sort of the the job interview. You know the description. It is it is what it is on the tin. Um, you know covering a a team as exciting as Leeds United is always going to throw up loads of different storylines and. You know, the fan base are, are fantastic. They're, you know, they're, they're they're so pleased to to be back in the big time in the Premier League. So it's it's re- yeah, it's a really fun time to be covering a really fun club, actually. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, there, there is a little bit of a, a Scottish connection, obviously, with Leeds as well uh, through uh, you know current centre back Liam Cooper. Um, but probably more interestingly, uh, in the youth team, there's uh, Liam McCarran and Stuart McKinstry. Um, so we know that you you watched the under twenty threes at the weekend mm-hmm. there as they played Wills alongside Marcelo Bielsa. What did you make a, of uh, that game and and those two individuals in particular? What's your sort of thoughts on those and and their prospects? Yeah, well, I mean they're they're a really professional outfit. The the under twenty threes. I mean, a lot of the time in in under twenty three football, um, particularly the younger you get, the the further down the age levels you get. Um, it can, it can. The games can be a lot more erratic. You might see a lot more six fours than you do in in, in top level football, um, and that's because you may have players dropping in from first team setups um, who are perhaps skewing the balance a little bit between the two two sides. Um, but with Leeds, it's 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 always you know they they've won ten of their last eleven um, at, at Premier League two Division two level. Um, so not quite facing the best under twenty three teams in the in the country, um, but they are facing you know some of the best um, you know teams that have got a really good setup with uh, pathways and structures from the academy right up to the first team, um, and they've really been just swatting them aside pretty much every week. Um, Stuart McKinstry and Liam McCarran have been you know despite being eighteen and, and McCarran's just turned twenty, um, those two have, have been pretty much mainstays in the uh, under twenty threes this season, which. You know, the, the average age of, of players in that competition are around 20, 21, 22. So 
you know, to be playing McKinstry in particular, to be playing regularly um, uh, and, and having such an important role because um, he's he's on set pieces and he's great with those um, so early on is, is really encouraging to see. Um, but yeah, it's it leads are really good uh, at, at an under twenty three level, um, and that's because the the structure is in place. Um, there's there's a lot of alignment between the uh, the twenty threes and the first team. They play the same way. Bielsa is there every week uh, watching. You know the the twenty threes as and when he can. Um, there's usually around three or four uh, younger lads in the twenty man first team squad um, every week. So yeah, it's. It, it's very much a, a well-structured, well, well-aligned setup that they've got, and and the lads McKinstry and McCarran are really exciting. So we, sorry, exciting to hear. I was just going to say that for me, that's kind of pretty exciting to hear that um, what Joe was saying there about the kind of system of play and so on, filtering down from the first team. It's good to know that McKinstry and McCarran will be kind of learning the same principles that you might if you're in the first team with uh, Bielsa and his staff. So that's lovely. And just wanted to kind of say hello to anybody that's joined us. If there are any kind of questions, pop them in the chat. Um, we'd love to get some supplementary questions and hear what you guys want to um, ask us too. But go on, uh, Hidetoshi, what were you going to say? <laughs> so I was just going to come in and ask you just for a little bit of your opinion on McKinstry and McCarran on having... Watched the you know the Scotland youth setup. Out of the two of these, who have you seen more, and, and what's your sort of thoughts on the, on those two individuals? Uh, McKinstry is the one I've seen a lot more of um, than McCarran. Um and yeah, McKinstry's a winger, Wideman uh, came from Motherwell down to Leeds. I've really liked what I've seen of him. He's uh, quite direct, quick. Um, I think what I'm hearing from Joe there about the kind of principles of play, maybe that Leeds have, that's kind of exciting me because I, I felt that you know maybe he needs a little bit more structure to his game and to work on the off the ball kind of stuff so it'd be good to see how that works out for him and yeah with what joe said about the set pieces too that's kind of interesting i think i'm not sure was it he that set up rodrigo's goal um on friday for the under 23 yeah. show with a little kind of side pass from a free kick mm-hmm. um which is kind of exciting to be able to assist a, a superstar like rodrigo <laughs> in his kind of, um in the under 23 so that's nice i'm, I'm confident mckinstry can go on to good things um in his career yeah I mean, what you're trying to say there is that Rodrigo should be delighted that he was assisted by uh, Stuart McKinstry, but we'll let that one slip. Um, but yeah, let's keep the ball the ball rolling then. Um, so, Joe, uh, we're going to put you on the spot a little bit here and imagine you're the manager of the first ever scouted football mm-hmm. side tournament happening in the sun-kissed set of pitches on the Balearic Islands. So you can pick a team made of five individuals that are featured in the scouted handbook. Who is your team and why? Well, I mean, it's five aside, so every all other footballing principles go out the window. You know, you're very much setting it up to to, to win. You you want to be fast. You want players moving all over the place. Um, but first of all, staying with that Leeds theme, you want a goalkeeper who's comfortable playing out from the back. So I've gone with Ilan Melier, who was in uh, Volume Eight. Um, because you know this season he's actually been a little bit, um, you know some some of the fans have maybe been a little bit annoyed that he's misplaced a few passes from from just playing out from inside his box. Um, but he is he's pretty much one of the more solid distributors from from you know starting moves from deep. Um, so I'd, I'd have him in there. Um, and then it was kind of a toss up between you know do I want to go with one defender uh, who's sort of you know the Paolo Maldini type who's really um fierce at the back or do I want to go with one who's who's going to be contributing to the attack and you know overloading the attacking phases and you know I'm, I'm bringing all these things to five-side football but it's a, bit, <laughs> it's a load of nonsense but um, I've, gone with, I've gone with Jules uh, Jules Koundé um who's at Sevilla 
and the, the the French centre half. Um, he was in volume seven, and he's just fantastic because he'll go on these mazy marauding runs um, mm. from the fence. And you want a bit of that. You want your centre half stepping out. You know, maybe your wide players tucking back in at five aside, letting him do his thing. But um, yeah, I've gone with I've gone with him as well. So that'll be that'll be fun to, to say the least. Um, I've, I've in a free sort of role. I might. I might come in for some flack here, but I've gone with Viktor Sihankov, who's not exactly a free player or a number 10. He's typically a right-sided um, inside forward. But I feel like at five-a-side level, you, you need one of those players who's very good at wriggling out of space, can easily beat pressure, um, can slip the balls through to, to your striker. Um, got him in there. And then so I've got Ryan Gravenberg, who is in volume eight as well, uh, who's at Ajax. Sorry, I should say Sihankov, isn't too well known, but he's at uh, Dynamo Kiev in Ukraine. Um, but Gravenberg, he's also excellent. You know, he'll be very good in the defensive side of things, particularly at fives. Um, and then also just carrying the ball forward. Um, so there's a bit of a theme here with, with Kunde <laughs> and, and, and Gravenberg as well. Um, but and, and, and up front, my striker, I'm going with Pat Sendaka because he's just an expert at the one-touch finish. You know, mm. you give him one opportunity, he'll put it low, he'll put it, you know, in the back of the net and then... Um, yeah, I'll go with him. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to try and keep myself to that long, describing my, my ideal <laughs> scouted football five-side team because I, I may take up a full hour if I'm, if I'm allowed. So We're here for you. Yeah, for great it. choices there. Yeah, I can see uh, Bayern football from afar has said, Milia and has said from Toy Story Vibes is in the team. <laughs> I, I thought uh, I'll keep it very brief because we're not here to, to listen to me talk nonsense, but uh, sticking with my... Uh, Asian team, I thought Ayo Tanaka was designed for five-a-side football. Yeah, um, Five-yard passes all day long, driving forward. That's what you want to see. Um, so Ayo Tanaka is my one shout because, uh, yeah, we're not really here for my team. Oh, is there any one player that you would pick? Um, I really liked hearing who Joe said there. I thought Koundé is a brilliant shout for a kind of marauding centre-back that would move forward. Um, Byron's also said that uh, Tsiankov is a baller. Love him. Solid pronunciation from Joe as well. <laughs> And yeah, on that note, if you want to hear more uh, pronunciation, I guess, from Joe of players with maybe similar names to that, the most recent scouted podcast that you did was Ukrainian football, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I guess that kind of brings us back to sort of the initial question that we kind of started with maybe before we had a um, little audience in here. So let's maybe go back to that slightly. Um, so you, you do the podcast for scouted football and also writing for them. And like you said earlier, you report on Leeds United for Leeds Live. You maybe give us just a little bit more of a kind of potted history about you. You know, how did you kind of get into these roles? Um, maybe also for anybody in the audience that's wanting to try and start creating any content, um, such as making podcasts and writing, any particular tips that you would want to pass on to people for those kind of uh, pursuits, Joe? Yeah, sure. Um, well, in, in terms of sort of like a, a potted history, um, I basically just started off um, doing doing match review blogs, um, which I think have probably to this day only got three views and two of them on me <laughs> on different computers. Um, so, you know, it was it was just essentially very much the same way that many people get started was just blogging. Um, and then I was actually looking for 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 scouting courses to to do sort of like the PFSA uh, courses and stuff, uh, and stumbled across what was at the time a very small uh, niche scouted football page and. I decided to send a very thirsty email to Steve Stephen Ganavis, <laughs> who um who who didn't know what he was getting himself in for, and decided to to take on a few pieces that I, I, I'd pitched and stuff. Um, so I was just throughout sort of my first 
well, six form years and, and, and um, the first three months of an economics degree that I decided was too hard. Um, I <laughs> did um, I did uh, a few sort of written pieces for Scouted and stuff and kept the blogging, kept doing um, social media accounts and stuff like that just on the side. Um, and then took up a journalism degree full time because I thought, actually, you know, I may as well actually give this a full go instead of, you know, just doing a, a part time job, that sort of thing. Um, so did that. Um, and so Scouted has kind of grown from there. We kind of had the idea to um, to, to set up a podcast together. Um, and we decided that that I, I was very keen to front it. Um, and from, I mean, to begin with, the first few episodes were frankly quite rubbish. Um, we may have been, you know, speaking about some 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 good players, but the first five or so were a bit, ooh, bit, bit iffy. Um, but I think from then, sort of just speaking to, to more people, you kind of learn as you go on in terms of the the hosting, the producing, the editing, all that sort of thing. But in terms of written the written side of things, just uh, write things, pitch things to people. You know, very five, six years ago, I was probably a bit of a nuisance to people who are respected um, because I was probably DMing them all the time, um, sharing my work and stuff. And, you know, it, what, one thing I will say is there's a lot of luck involved. Um, you know, I, I can't say there's a set formula um, to, to getting a job in, you know this sort of industry or or being a content creator or anything like that you know i think it's you know with, with scouted it was very it was very lucky to an extent um that i was joining a, a group of a group of people who were you know of, of a similar age of a similar sort of um background and you know sharing the same goal um and we were all sort of learning on the job together um so it wasn't as though you know it was you're reporting to somebody else it was very much a collective effort um so I, I feel like I'm I'm very fortunate in that that respect. Um, but yeah, essentially, just share your work. Don't be a dick online because um, <laughs> you, know, you, you need to yeah, you need to get make as many friends as possible. Um, and that, you know, if you if you're really, oh. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, you know, one thing that I feel has has helped for me was you know it, when I'm reading things, um, I, I try and think about how I can apply things that I'm impressed by to my own work. Um, and maybe try and incorporate them. Don't like completely plagiarize, but sort of incorporate in a way that is relatable to your niche or something that you're you have a little bit of expertise on or something. But yeah, it was it's been it's been fun, and I've I've had the opportunity to make lots of friends along the way and, and speak to loads and loads of interesting people, which is probably the best best thing out of it. There's probably lots of advice there that I should probably be writing down or listening back to, um, <laughs> but I probably won't. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I totally echo a, a lot of what you're saying there. I think, uh, you know, it, it's it's amazing what opportunities you can create for yourself, but there is obviously that element of being in the right place at the right time that comes into it too. But you only get to that place if you have the continuous drive and determination to get there. Um, you know, I think people have to put in effort and that's the only way you really get the, the rewards from it. So I think there's some really good advice in there and, and yeah, the don't be a dick is uh, is probably a good mantra uh, for, <laughs> for everything, not just online. Just don't be a dick in general. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we're we're obviously been huge fans of the work that's gone on at Scouted, and you know, from social media to podcast to website, um, the interviews, and of course the the beautiful handbook itself. This is the most recent one I could find. So, um, yeah, can you just give us a little bit of an overview of how it all started? your involvement 
and your thoughts on the current handbook or any pieces that you've contributed to? Yes, I mean it didn't. It didn't start with myself. That was that was Tom Curran, who's still our lead editor, um, who does all the sort of the the admin side of things. He he's the one who who ships all the um all the books off to everybody um, when when the orders come in. He does a fantastic job of that. I actually owe him sort of a weekend of book packing that um, I keep <laughs> mentioning to him because um, he he does he does put in the hard yards in that sense. You know, we get to do the fun stuff, and he's the one you know behind the, the behind the camera, shall we say? Um, <laughs> but he 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 set it up sort of a few years before I got involved, um, got Steve uh, on board, uh, Steve, Lou, Phil, Jake, uh, Justin, um, you know, and, and quite a few others who were probably neglected to mention. Um, but there was loads, loads of guys, you know, you know, really helped to, to bring it to, to what it is, you know, in its current incarnation. Um, but yeah, the, in terms of the mags, you know, that was something that we'd always wanted to do. Um, so volume nine being the most recent, it's just, just been just been published um which we're really really proud of really pleased with um but it's got sort of it's got features it's got interviews uh, as well as the 25 player profiles uh, that we, we we typically have uh, that we had over the first eight pro- eight volumes um and you know more long form storytelling is is essentially what we've wanted to to bring to the handbooks for for a long time but of course you know when you try and expand it costs money and you know you, you have to i mean we're, we're going to pay fair rates for for excellent pieces of work um so it's kind of been a, a slow gradual process to get there but you know i think we're, we're really happy with what we've got at the moment um in my unbiased opinion <laughs> um but in, in in the most recent one, I did I did two um, two profiles uh, and, and and I conducted one interview um, with with Rabbi Matondo, who's who's at Stoke, who's uh, he's currently owned by Schalke, but I think there's a there's a, a purchase option in his loan to Stoke. He's currently injured at the minute, which is a bit rubbish, but you know he's really fun. He's really very good um, on out wide. Um, we came through Manchester City's youth academy after signing from Cardiff, and he's just a really really you know congenial, down to earth guy. Um, very easy to get along with, um, which it isn't always the case, you know, over Zoom and over phone calls. So that just makes, you know, my life a lot easier. Um, but the two profiles, um, Anthony at Ajax, who's Brazilian, comes from near Sao Paulo, uh, you know, fantastic, fantastic left foot, just has this space on the edge of the box uh, that he just loves bending crosses in. Uh, mm. And, you know, he's got Seb Allaire, um, Lucina Traore, and until recently, Klaasian Huntelaar, to, to ping balls onto onto their heads, so you know he's he's living a life at the moment. Um, his first Eredivisie season, and um, Adam Armstrong, who is a player who's who's not who's from not far where I'm from, um, and uh, he he uh, he's, he's you know really bagging the goals with Blackburn in the Championship, and it was it was he's just turned 24, so it was kind of right at the end of the scouted spectrum. Um, obviously, being 23 and unders that we cover, um, but you know he's he's played 20,000 league minutes he's he's really taken the long road um and is is probably probably going to get a premier league move um if if blackburn don't you know get promoted themselves so yeah there were there were fun pieces to write fun pieces to to research and stuff so it's you know it's again it's just always like a i you know i'm i'm, I'm in a really fortunate position to be able to to get to do that as as a part of work mm. And yeah, I guess this is a, a good time at which to say to anybody that's watching in the audience, if you haven't yet, you should definitely pick up a copy of the current issue of the handbook. It's brilliant. Um, like Joe says, Scouted have kind of um, put in features this time around. So there's the interview that Joe mentioned. Um, there's also a piece um, looking at the Zubieta Academy, Real Sociedad's um, Academy, all sorts of things, as well as the 
profiles of players. So it's it's absolutely fantastic. And if there's anybody in the chat watching that has got a copy already, um, maybe drop a comment about your favourite profile or anything like that. Um, but to kind of keep, I guess, the focus on uh, young players, Euro 2021 is hopefully uh, still taking place this summer. Um, maybe events in Glasgow over the last day or so have put shot to our chances of hosting matches, but we'll see. Um, but here at Pure Football, we're going to be starting a new podcast series shortly where in the kind of build-up to the tournament, we'll focus in turn on each of the teams that will be taking part. And I was wondering, Joe, are there any young players that you're a real fan of, maybe even ones that could stake a claim at the under-21 Euros that are happening later this month that you think we should keep a particular eye out for at the Euros this summer? Anybody new that you know, you're know particularly looking forward to? Well, just like I'd first like to say I'm really looking forward to that series. Um, you know the one before the uh, the Serbia game uh, back in November that was a fantastic episode. Loved loved getting involved with that. I always like to you know when when podcasts go a little bit um, off piste and, and go for a little bit of the international football. So that was right up my street. But um, in terms of the the Euros this summer, um, players to look at. It's always difficult to predict the ones that might be at the under twenty one Euros and then the actual full competition because. Sure. I feel like the ones who do well at the under 21 euros as a result of that will stake a claim um in the uh, in the senior squads but I've gone for a few I've got a few names here um just of players that perhaps maybe not from the bigger nations um might be might be surprising to to, to a few people who may not have heard of them before um and I've gone well the first one I've gone gone for is cuz um Adam Hlozek uh, for the Czech Republic is in Scotland's group obviously so mm. um that would be, you know, a player to, that I hope Steve Clark knows about um, at, at the very least. Um, but he's he's the youngest. He's, he plays sort of as a, a, I'd say shadow striker, but he's more of a centre forward. His his future is very much as a centre forward. But being 17, 18, it, playing for Sparta Prague, you know, it's one of the biggest clubs in in the Czech Republic. It's going to be difficult to to go into, you know, your th- that central striking role as a teenager. But he's um. He's, he's the youngest goal scorer in the history of the Czech first division. Um, mm. And he, I doubt he'll make it to the under 21 euros if, if a Czech public are there. Um, I, I'd have to check, but he, he would be a shout, I think, certainly for the senior squad in the summer because he's been injured for most of the season with a broken mm. foot. Um, but before that, he, he you know registered something ridiculous like four goals and five assists in his first six games of the campaign, which is, you know, it's one of those where you're like, yeah, okay. I think we've got a live one here. You know, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna hit the heights this season. It's gonna be his his breakout year. Obviously, got injured. Um, bit of a bit of a sickener for him there, but he's he's due back this month. Um, so he he will if he can sort of even you know I'm not saying do four goals and five assists in the games between now and the end of the season, but just get a steady string of minutes under his belt. He'll probably be in that Czech Republic squad. Um, come come June time um so he'll be one certainly to, to keep an eye out for he's still just 18 um um in fact th- that's a good comment actually being an atalanta player you know he's it, it's difficult to nail down that position because last year he played almost exclusively as a wide forward you know he was very good at taking bringing bringing the ball down on his chest out wide and then cutting in cutting inside um and he's i think he's around six foot six foot one so he's always very good at being able to do that um and obviously got a lot of assists from that. I think he got nine goals across all comps. So he's he's a very, very adept young player. Um, and, and we profiled him in volume 
seven or eight because it was getting to the point where we thought yeah he's actually going to sort of blow up in a minute we we should probably get covering him nice and early but um there's this logic um there's a uh, a guy for for Denmark called Jonas Vind or he might be might be wind I need to get the pronunciation on that one mm. um, if there's any people from Denmark listening then please somebody <laughs> um, get Derek Rio on the line okay, well, exactly, yeah I, I don't want to I don't want to start mispronouncing people's names it'll, it'll get down to a respect issue um but uh, <laughs> He's got he, Vind or Wind. I think I'll call him Jonas. Uh, Jonas has got uh, 11 goals and four assists this season uh, for, for Copenhagen. Um, and he's just, he's a, he's a multi-talented forward. Um, you know, he's a big shooter, takes lots of shots from good good locations. Um, has a really, really good long-range strike. But he's also really good at creating as well, which sometimes you don't see as often with players who are who tend to pop shots off from range. You know, they, they tend to be the more selfish players who will, you think you know I'm going to do this myself, but he just gets into as a, as a centre forward. He just gets into these positions where he's able to create and also you know get the ball himself and, and fashion shots for himself. Um, I think it, in terms of his international career, it's only just beginning, uh, and he's he's 22. But that's because he's had um, two knee operations so far, sort of in the last 12, 12, 18 months. Um, so last his last season, 19-20, was completely derailed by that. Um, and you know, I'm, I've got absolutely no doubt that he would have, you know, broken out uh, for for want of a better phrase before um, before that if he if he hadn't got injured. So I think the Euros could be a, a good tournament for him if Denmark do well, if Denmark um, you know play him because obviously they've got quite a few options um, up front. But yeah, I think those two in particular, and then maybe some more well known ones, Dominic Soboslai at Hungary, who's you know just turns free kicks into penalties. Um, <laughs> Dejan Kulisevsky, who's um, another one like Lozek, who has well speaking of Atalanta, he was actually at Atalanta, was loaned to Parma, um, and then signed for Juve on the back of four mad months in Serie, um, and you know hasn't really settled. A, a, like a great amount at, at Juve, but it's always going to be difficult at a super club. I think uh, uh, for Sweden, who he represents, um, him and Alex Isak uh, from Real Sociedad, you know they've they've got the the makings of being really exciting together. Um, but yeah, there's there's I mean there's there's loads to, to potentially look out for, but it's it'll be I'm just hoping for sort of a clean bill of health on on pretty much all of them between now and and, and June. I, I love those shouts, Joe. Um, with your mention of Flozic, um, I didn't get a chance to see him when Scotland um, were playing Czech Republic under-21s and I was commentating because he'd just been injured, but I did watch quite a lot of him um, before then, um, kind of looking at the, the Czech uh, matches in the lead-up. So, yeah, I definitely agree. He's a real prospect. And we've got uh, Come on the Rock saying that uh, Kulisevsky is the most <laughs> Scottish-looking player I've ever seen. Um one, I've got a soft spot due to having a soft spot for Parma um, and his kind of short time there. Um, so, yeah, uh, good shouts. Really like that. Um, and we've got Ram there from Market Insights just saying, Spear football doesn't get better. Great to see you all. And, um, you know, keep the comments coming in the chat. Um, really good. Any questions, fire them in. I think there was a question. I don't know who it would be for exactly, but there was a question about Chris Willock as a player. Um, seems strange that Benfica let him go for so cheap. Joe, Gavin, neither of you got a, a question, a, a thought on Chris Willock at all? It's hard to keep track of all the Willock brothers, isn't it? There's, yeah, there's, <laughs> Matt, there's Matty, Joe, Chris. Um, Chris is 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 he in the in the championship now? It's yeah, I mean, I, QPR. QPR. Yeah, I was keeping tabs on him sort of when he was at Benfica, but then kind of just 
Um, I, I kind of just dropped off the map with 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 his QPR move. I, I honest honestly, I haven't watched any of him at QPR. Um, but ben, Benfica, in terms of how he was, you know, it it, it was always one where you thought he might break into the first team, but would need circumstances um, mm. to to be favourable. Um, I think he's yeah, he's a very talented player, but um, yeah, I'd I'd have to go back and watch a little bit more to see sort of how he's been the last six months or so. Same here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, really interesting. I just wanted to quickly uh, bring up Hosex, uh Market Insights profile. Hopefully this will work okay, but uh, just to really bring to life uh, the description that Joe's given, that is a sea of green that you should be seeing, hopefully. Um, so yeah, he definitely looks like a player that we'll, we'll need to consider a, a Scott McTominay hatchet job on. So uh, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, uh, looks like a really interesting prospect. In terms of Wellick, I think, yeah, you're you're right. I, I, I totally forgot there was a QPR. I had to quickly Google that. But uh, looking at his, his data profile, it looks like he's doing okay. Um, so be interesting to see if he can climb back up the ladder. I can see that there's a, also a question from Greg the Wellfan. Hi, Greg. Any thoughts on why Scottish clubs outside the old farm don't often sign younger players from abroad? I know SPFL struggles financially, but surely clubs could look further afield in England. Are there any examples of Scottish clubs looking abroad for younger players I'm missing? Owen, do you want to come in on this one first? Well, that's nope. a bit of a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, good question, Greg. Um, a big question. Um, ask the club you're employed by. Um, see what they say. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I think it's historically at least the scouting departments in Scottish clubs haven't really looked abroad you know it's been they've been quite limited in terms of numbers of personnel and scope um and finances as you point out Greg um hopefully things will change you know hopefully some of them will look abroad um I guess also quite a lot of them are just quite risk averse um you know and, and maybe see it as too big a gamble They'd probably uh, tended to favour the kind of journeyman or the kind of experience and, you know, the depend the supposed dependability and reliability that gives you. Um, so, you know, I, I would expect things to gradually change in, in some ways around that. Um, obviously, we don't know what the impact of Brexit and so on in, in terms of our ability to do that is. But, yeah, um, I, I don't think there's much else I could say other than um, the, the reasons are probably fear um, and finances right you know that's got the great makings of a book there fear and finances, fear and finances. yeah you know, a, a, a brief history of scottish football um, <laughs> I, I think Stephen dobby's got a lot to answer for there in that sense you know the the, the journeyman <laughs> the, the 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 15 goal a season man has just been reliable enough that teams haven't had to um sure. i also think for, from i mean this is probably just from Finland's perspective, but they don't want all the goalkeepers being um, mistaken for being Scottish, like Antti Niemi. Um, so, you know, they, they want to lay claim to them internationally as well. Um, it's true. probably not the answer. It's probably not the answer that Greg was looking for, but I mean, I pretty much just echo what, what, what Owen was saying really, because it's just, yeah, it's, you know, I think a lot of the time the risk averse signing probably is the cheaper signing. Um, and there's also, I, I was speaking to um, Jordan Jarrett Bryan um, a couple of months ago about why perhaps players like Wilfred Zaha's move from uh, Crystal Palace to Manchester United didn't work out. Um, and he was saying that when you uproot a player from who's had such a, a different cultural upbringing in South London, for example, 
um, you know, being, you know, uh, putting him into into Manchester United, which is, you know, b- biggest club in the world, essentially, um, and not having that support network, not having any any coaches there that may understand him, understand his upbringing, that sort of thing. I think a lot of the time that might be a factor um, that, you know, there's, there's, there's a cultural shift, a cultural um you know, aspect a human elements that I think a lot of the time um, clubs, at least you know, smart clubs, are taken into account uh, when they sign players. And then you know, w- perhaps when they when they do take the risk, they make sure that they've got those player liaisons who are going to facilitate the the easy transition of of a player um, from from a different league, from a different culture, completely. I mean, it's it, that's a broad answer, but it's on a case by case basis, really. Absolutely, I think the yeah. principles of what you've just described are. Are absolutely true. I think even the, you know, the culture shift from coming from the, you know, south of London just to to Scotland can be extremely difficult. Uh, speaking to one manager about one individual player, this is like a my in the no moment. Uh, he he said that this player, even so he's performing very well, has continually made it clear that he wants to go back home just because he can't adapt. Um, so you, you can understand why it probably feels even harder for clubs and managers when they're hearing that from someone who's coming from a British culture that they're struggling to adapt, why they might be more uh, cautious to someone from Belarus, as as Greg has just mentioned. And he said, when Partick Thistle signed a 19-year-old from the Belarusian <laughs> second tier, we'll know where it came from. Greg, we're holding you to that. We want to see more Belarusians in Maryhill. Uh, and- I mean, Thistle have got a Senegalese centre back right now. I mean, I know he's been in the yeah. country for five, six years, but you know. Um, anyway, I, I, and just one other kind of comment here on the same sort of topic. Come on, the rock saying I'm a little bit surprised. Hearts and Hips haven't looked at somewhere like Holland and kids falling out of academies there. Um, yeah, I expect Hibs to do some interesting stuff quite soon. Um, you know, with the people they've got in place there and the way they're approaching things now. Um, and Hearts have got some, you know, changes in the backroom staff and their structure and so on. So you might see things changing a little bit in the way that they approach their recruitment, both those clubs, shortly. Yeah, and there's there's also a question here from. Ram for Joe, who's been covering the team up north. Does he like Casey better or Cresswell? Um, I mean, they're both very talented players, uh, both very dominant in the air uh, for Leeds 23s. Um, I think I think Ollie Casey's uh, a year older, he might be, uh, than, than Charlie Cresswell. Um, Casey's the one who's made his first, well, he made his, who featured most recently in the, uh, the, the FA Cup game against Crawley. Um, Cresswell was left out for that. Um, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one, honestly, because you know you, you, they've got they've got a lot of similarities, but different strengths as well. I think into, if you wanted a, a centre back pairing, then absolutely Casey and Cresswell are the ones uh, that you want there um, because they work so well in tandem. Um, I think Casey's very good in terms of his positioning. Um, you know, he the against Wolves the second half when um, when Gitano Berardi went off after forty five minutes, which is a pre planned change because he's coming back from an ACL. Um, and Casey came on, you know, the, the fullbacks, Cody Drame and, and, and McCarran were able to push on a little bit further because they knew that a back two of, of Cresswell and Casey, you've pretty much got cover across the, you know, across the pitch, naturally. Um, Cresswell's very good aerially, um, especially for his age. I think he's 18 going on 19. Um, he's a, the son of Richard Cresswell, actually, um, who was a striker in his day. So he's probably got a few tips from his dad, but he's, he's very good at, you know, defending and attacking set pieces. But he's also very good at stepping out, um, you know, with the ball. He'll be very proactive with his interceptions. Um, 
it's probably not the answer Ram was looking for because I like them equally. Um, <laughs> I'm going to sit on a I'm going to sit on a hundred foot high fence here and say that they're very um that they're both very good. Uh, and yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how sort of their their integration into into Leeds first team how, uh, continues because I do believe that that they probably have a future. While, while we're um, pestering Joe with uh, comments for Leeds centre backs, um, have you happened to see Jeremiah Chiloka Mullen at all yet? Um, he's very young, part part Scottish. Seen him play mm. at all? Um, I've, I've seen him play in one of the twenty threes games, um, and I think the the biggest compliment I could give is that I wouldn't have been able to tell that he was sixteen um, okay. because he, he 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 seemed sort of at home in that team. You know, a lot of the time you can see that they they'll stick out because they're either physically not at the same level, um, or or they just they're just not at the pace. Um, but mm. it was only after the game that I realised I was like, oh, he's 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 one of the under eighteen lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't be able to give sort of any analysis on 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 Mullen, but um, yeah, he's he, he looked he looked all right in in that game. Um, the eighteens again similar to the twenty threes play a similar style of football. They, they're actually, I think, bottom of the league, the under-18s Premier League at the moment. Um, but I think that may be a result of the fact that you're, you're asking players who haven't physically developed yet to play a very ambitious, um, sure. you know, front foot style. Um, yep. And, and they're, they're willing to stick with it. So I think it's very good for the development. Yeah, regardless of the results, maybe there's a kind of long time, long term benefit to that. And, and just briefly on on uh, Chiloka Mullen, for people in the chat, he was in the most recent Scotland under-17 squad which was uh, back in October of 2020, the one where um, the under-19s and under-17s were playing against England in England, but it had to be called off because of uh, one of the Scotland backroom staff realising they had a positive COVID test at halftime in the game. But anyway, he, he's, he's uh, one of the players to look out for the, for the future. The under-17 team is pretty exciting, lots of uh, talented individuals coming through. Um, so look forward to seeing how he gets on the next couple of years at Leeds. And uh, Sorry, Gavin, I think you were going to mention a chat comment there. Yeah, so just sticking with the Leeds under 23s, uh, Greg, Greg the well fan, obviously the Motherwell connection here, but thoughts on Stuart McKinstry, pass straight into the first team or out on loan next? What's your thoughts? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do another year with the 23s. Um, they're very, I think they're very conservative with how they want to blood the young players. They, uh, Niall Huggins, who's just turned 20, or, or, or I mean, he's been 20 for a few months, um, he, he made his Premier League debut against Arsenal uh, the other month um, off the bench. But in terms of the the standouts for the 23s this season, you'd have to say Sam Greenwood, Charlie Cresswell, Ollie Casey and Joe Gelhart. And as far as I know, I don't think any of them have made their Premier League debut yet, despite being really good. And that's because they're all 18, 19. Um, I think they, Stuart McKinstry falls into that bracket as well. Um, he's probably just a, a rung below, um, below those four. But I think there's there is a path to the first team. But I think he alone probably would benefit him because um, with with the structure at Leeds, I think there is um, you know the, the 19, 20, 21 year olds are the ones who typically would go on loan, whereas the eighteen year olds will stay if they're good enough. They'll stay and they'll play regularly in the twenty threes because it's not like they're going to stagnate in twenty threes football with the style that Leeds are playing because the alignment between the first team and, and the twenty threes is there. Yeah, it's interesting. Good. I bet um, Greg, the well fan, is just hoping <laughs> yeah. that McKinstry will come back up to Motherwell um, <laughs> on loan next season as a ulterior motive to that question, I'm sure. <laughs> I love it. Let's keep some of the, the questions that we had lined up for Joe uh, Rowland. So, Joe, at Scouted, uh, your focus is on players under 23, the next generation of footballers. 
at Pure Football, we've been accused of having a bit of a ages streak. And uh, let's put that right just a little bit. Um, if you had to pick one current footballer over the age of 30 as your favourite, who would it be and why? And Owen, if you can follow up with your answer as well. Oh, wow. Put me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll, I'll ramble on for a bit, Owen. You can Excellent. You Appreciate that. As long um, as you can, mate, please. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see some frantic Googling happening in the top right of the Exactly, screen. exactly. <laughs> um, well, it, it was going to be Johan Kabai, but he retired last week, conveniently. Um, so I can't I can't go on about him for, for ages, uh, the, the dreamboat that he was. Um, uh, it would probably be... Probably in that case, it would probably be Hatem Benafa then, because I mean he's not playing a lot of football at the moment. He probably hasn't had a lot of continuity over the past few seasons. You know, playing at Nice, uh, PSG, Valladolid, being a free agent, Bordeaux, where he currently is. Um, he is. He, he, in terms of live, I think he's probably the most exciting footballer, the most unpredictable footballer I've ever seen. And I suppose that's why you watch football, isn't it? You know, you want to be entertained. It is an entertainment product at the end of the day. Um, and you know, there's just I think as as well there's there's sort of a, a cult of personality around him as well. You know, the the you know <laughs> I'm better than all of you. I'm just going to do it myself. I've got a lot of time for for that sort of approach. Um, <laughs> so long as it's not a team that I might be working for, um, <laughs> you know, or, or having an having uh, a vested interest in. Um, but it's just it's just a, a breath of fresh air, really. Um, whenever you saw him play, he just there was an interview that he did. I think it was after one of those goals uh, for Newcastle when he scored uh, from not not from the halfway line, but dribbled from the halfway line and then applied the cool finish. Where you're saying, you know, you hear the fans, you can hear them going, go, 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 and it makes you feel like you can fly. And it was kind of just sat there watching the interview, going, "Talk more, Hatem, please." You're kind of <laughs> just speaking straight into my soul here. Um, but he's he he's. I mean, just an absolute enigma. Um, and I mean, Arsenal fans are probably quite fond of him because he used to uh, allegedly take the Mickey out of Unai Emery when he was PSG boss, sort of in front of the the the, the playing squad, just completely, um, you know, take the take the take the PIWS. Um, don't I, I've already, in fact, I've already said, don't be a dick. We can swear <laughs> on this, don't we? So yeah, he did he did take the piss out of Unai Emery a fair bit. Um, but yeah, he's. The, the, the cult of personality, the playing style, um, just how he just didn't give a shit whatsoever uh, and was just had that immense natural ability. It was just, yeah, a, a joy to watch. I'm loving the Newcastle 2012 connection. <laughs> um, and to, to keep that, that sort of Newcastle connection going, if you had to pick between Dembaba and Papa Sisi, who are both still playing in Turkey, I might add, mm-hmm. um, who would you pick? Dembaba, Papa Sisi in their prime? In their oh, in their prime, it's an interesting one because the thing with Papi Sisse was that he had that one incredible half season where everything he touched turned to goals. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas Demba Ba, I think, perhaps was the more talented player. You know, Sisse was the player who'd get on the end of of chances uh, because he just he had that innate ability to just stick a toe on something or pop up at the right moment. I think he scored like five last minute winners uh, after, in stoppage time at St James's Park in one season. You know, it's. There was there was a bit where Alan Pardew ran down the touchline and lost his keys and stuff because he was getting hugged and hugged in the in the stand because um, of a Papi Cisse last minute winner. Um, I'd, I'd I'd go with Demba Bar though. I, I just I don't know why. I just I feel like I'd, I'd like to sit down and have a chat with him. Maybe a, a, he 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 has a, a weird fondness for strawberry syrup. 
Um, <laughs> if, if anybody's if anybody's seen the interview, he, he does. It's, it was back in around 2012, uh, and Jeff Shreves asks him, um, "Have you have you got any guilty pleasures?" And he goes, "Yes, I love syrup." And he goes, "Syrup?" And he goes, "Strawberry syrup." It's just incredible. It's the most bolt out of the blue interview moment I think I've ever seen. Because um, it's just fantastic. So yeah, on that alone, on the syrup in the syrup steaks, I'm going down the bar. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Owen, did you manage to think of someone over thirty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some. Um, <laughs> um, before we do that, though, I should say I think I remember this right, Joe. But um, did you, given we're talking about Newcastle United, did you recently write an article where you can compare how fans of Newcastle United and Leeds United might be feeling? Given kind of off the pitch and, and kind of structural kind of stuff, so I remember if if that if I'm thinking right, it was really really brilliant, um, really good perspective on things. Uh, am I right? Was that was that by you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to say whether it was brilliant, you know, because I did write oh. it, but um, yeah. but um, it, it it was it was just some something from me, sort of, you know, um, based on you know where I am now, you know, yeah. from home, the 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 viewpoint from both perspectives, um, that you know, one club essentially wants one manager to stay forever, and the other would quite literally pay. <laughs> to, 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 I think the I think Newcastle fans would probably crowdfund the four million payoff if if you ask them to uh, at the moment to to get rid of Steve Bruce. But yeah, it's 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 very bleak sort of on one on one side of that fan fan base, and then at um well not one side one fan base is very bleak, and then the other is mm-hmm. you know very much looking to the future, looking up and thinking we want to take you know, leads to the next level, but we want Bielsa to be involved, but obviously his age and, you know, the circumstances that, you know, I think there's an acceptance that it won't be there forever, but they're just trying to enjoy it as much as they can while he's here. Um, and I guess yeah. just on that kind of structure side of things, we've got a question about um, the leads kind of set up and talking about McKinstry and loans and so on. And and come on, the rocks has asked here, if these players were to be loaned out, do you see it being domestically or potentially overseas? I was just wondering if you knew, do Leeds have any kind of partner clubs set up in that sort at the moment? Is there any kind of sign of where Leeds might loan players out to if they do? What, what do you think about that, Joe? I mean, there, there used to be sort of an... Un, it's not wasn't quite an unspoken partnership, but there was a partnership with Cultural Leonesa in Spain's lower divisions um, a few years okay. ago. I don't know if that's still in place. I, I doubt it still is. Um, but in terms of uh, partnerships, I, I'm, there's not not that I'm aware of. You know, they're very. They, they, I think they've sent a few players to Bradford because obviously mm. the proximity um, between the, the the two the two places. Um, I think Jordan Stevens and um, Bryce Hosanna are there at the moment, who are two leads under 23s and uh, cool. under 18s. But it would probably be domestic unless the player was um, a, a foreign player themselves. I think yeah. that. The Leeds have loaned out players like J. Roy Grott has he recently just left left the club permanently, but he signed as a 19-year-old and then um was loaned out pretty much from sort of after the first six months as it was decided that he probably wasn't going to make the cut. Um so I think yeah, in terms of the the domestic players would probably get domestic loans, um, unless Victor Order decides that you know what. The, the Eredivisie might be a good landing spot for them, um, which you know I wouldn't be averse to seeing. I think it might be might be a good little project because we've seen that. But Todd Cantwell, I think, went on loan to Fortuna Sittard um, mm. before he kind of broke out with Norwich. So it'd be interesting to see. But I, I think domestically, probably is what it would be. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And the, the older uh, player that I thought of was Jamie Vardy. I know it's a very obvious one, but look, he's 34 now, which is incredible. Um, I was just kind of looking at some stats there, and I, I guess it's just a really good story and a reminder for people like me and Gav, who might be a little bit uh, ageist at times, that it's, not, it's non-linear, right? You know, people can come into the game a little bit later. They can go out of the game a little bit later. And, and look, Vardy's still, um, statistically here, he's still putting up over two and a half shots each 90. He's got, um, what, 12 goals against 15 expected goals this season. And obviously has had to adapt to a kind of different style of play and, and so on under Rodgers. So salute to him. He's definitely the over 30-year-old that I'm in awe of um, in terms of his football and ability. Yeah. And be sure to tune into the podcast after this where we'll tell you that anyone over the age of 26 is dead and should retire. <laughs> <laughs> um, just sticking with the, the, the lead situation just for a little bit more, Joe. So the top bins, top guys have asked, on the topic of Greenwood and Gelhart, do you see them being involved with the first team next season or possibly championship loans? Um, I think given that they're both 18-19, uh, what I was saying earlier, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them still be predominantly with the 23s next season if the right loan doesn't come along. Because I think getting the right loan is important um, rather than just farming a player out to God knows where just because they're going to get minutes. Um, recently, as in the previous seasons before Greenwood and Gelhart were at the club, Ryan Edmondson was obviously the the kind of the poster boy of Leeds under 23s you know he had a very good record at 18s and 23s level in front of goal was very imposing was you know had very much outgrown that level um obviously found it a little bit tough to get time on the pitch with Aberdeen um has it's gone on loan to Northampton in League 1 at the moment who are kind of at the bottom of League 1 um so i i mean championship loans i think it would be interesting to see how Gelhart and and particularly Greenwood would adapt. I think Gelhart maybe has a bit more of the striker's physicality about him. With Greenwood, he's been playing a lot more as a number eight, um, which he hasn't previously in his career. He was always a striker or, or, a, or a left-sided forward um, with, with Sunderland and Arsenal. Um, so to see him as a number eight was quite interesting, very much in the Rodrigo role that Rodrigo's playing at Leeds at the moment. Um, but I think championship loan would be ambitious, I'm not saying it won't happen, but the likelihood is that a 19-year-old striker probably won't get the minutes at a championship club um, because you know managers are less are less likely to rely on a teenage striker with very little first-team experience if they're you know if they if they wanted to maintain their status in the second division. Um, I'd, I'd say it's the League One and League Two are probably more um, more able to facilitate the 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 first sort of steps into first team football for, for those, those age profile strikers. That's, that's um, really interesting, Joe. And um, just wanted to say thanks to Top Bins Top for the question. If you don't already and you're listening or watching, please do go and give them a follow on Twitter. Brilliant um, threads uh, about players and, and great articles on their website as well. What were you going to say there though, Gavin? Go ahead. I was just going to quickly bring in a, a non-related comment from Com Come on the Rocks uh, that Bobby Lynn is better than Jamie Vardy. Our broth hero, Bobby Lynn. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think that's probably following on our, our conversation from the Goals show on Saturday uh, where Nate, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there's not a lot better than Bobby Lynn. Um, and Greg the Well fan has come in again. Is Billy Gilmore a Bielsa-type player? would love to see him being coached by a top manager who rates him highly. It's an interesting one. Um, it's not one that I'd considered. Um, I think with Chelsea, 
if there was going to be a Bielsa type player at Chelsea, I'd say it's Conor Gallagher, obviously out on loan at West Brom at the moment. Um, Cause he's I'd, I'd, with Billy Gilmore. I mean, I know he got sent off recently, didn't he? But um, I'd, I'd like to see more about him physically to sort of play in, in, in this Leeds team. Um, you know, he's, he's diminutive, which kind of ticks one of the boxes in this Bielsa team. Um, but I'd say there's, in terms of a player who's just going to keep things ticking, um, you know, with the, the one-twos just being sort of that fulcrum type in in, in midfield, if if there was going to be a space for that player, that, that would be Jamie Shackleton, um, who's played around 60 times for Leeds, but has only started about 10, 10 games. Um, so he's, he, I think he's a similar age profile. I think he's just turned 21, Jamie Shackleton, but he's very much in the first team. Um, so I think it would be... Yeah, probably Gilmore probably is a Bielsa type player because he's very good on the ball. Um, but I'd need to see sort of his pressing data, uh, and because you know that's that's the that's the role the, the Matthias Click number eight role is where he'd have to fit in, and Click very much does put the yards in when it comes to pressing. Yeah, I'd have some concerns about that. I think that Gilmore has the effort, you know, and he wants to kind of you know run and fill the space and so on. But I think just in terms of having that top level athleticism and that engine that you'd need to be a Bielsa player in that kind of role, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, Joe, the, the current scouted football handbook has an incredibly striking cover, um, so it's a beautiful piece depicting the very handsome young forward Gianluca Scamacca in a kind of Italian Renaissance style. He's got some striking tattoos, um, including a couple of very prominent large ones on his neck. Um, a, a fun question I wanted to throw you. Let's say you had to get a football-related tattoo in your neck. And to make it a little bit tough, let's say it can't just be the scouted football logo. <laughs> what would it be? What are you going with? Well, you're right to say it would be the scouted football logo. Um, I've sent a few mock-ups over to my, my tattoo <laughs> artist. But, you know, he, he says you'll have to wait till lockdown's over. But... Um, it's it's an interesting trend, isn't it, with the, the neck tattoos in footballers? Mm. Um, Florinel Coman, who I did a profile on, who's at FCSB, which is sort of the precursor, the, the Phoenix club of style Bucharest, um, is he has a number seven sort of behind his neck here. Uh, and obviously, Alexander Mitrovic has got a diamond there, which mm. kind of is, I mean, interesting choice. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> Edison, Ed, Edison's got a smiley face, which you know could be anything. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know whether he was around in the early '90s from the rave scene. It could be anything <laughs> there. Um, but I think if if I had to go for anything, a neck tattoo. Uh, Denver a, a strawberry setup. I mean, it's up there. I'd maybe have him on one side, um, and then in fact, no, no. You know, what I'll go with. I'll go with on one side, Davy Marshall. You know, asking if that's all okay, and then the <laughs> arms out on the other side. That's amazing. <laughs> I think that would be, you know, you're you stood at the bar when things are on, and then exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, do you remember that Davy Marshall moment? You've got like a, a turtleneck on. You just roll it down. Just like, yeah, I remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, that's saved from Mitrovic, actually, isn't it? So maybe yep. there is it. Maybe it's a thing about neck tattoos. Maybe Davy Marshall maybe turn up with one for the Euros camp. There we go. <laughs> Maybe. Um, what if Davy Marshall got his own, you know, the, the the tattoos you're mentioning on his own neck? That would be, uh, yeah, tattoo inception of some sort. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I love it. I can see here that uh, Byron's telling us, yeah, uh, Roman Barkey has MKM on his neck, but the K is turned on its side, so it looks like an M. What does it mean, Byron? Let us know. Why, why MKM is that? Oh, okay. Sort of... 
He's followed it up with not particularly interesting. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and come on, the rocks have said that sounds dreadful. Is that the David Marshall tattoo or, or uh, Roman? <laughs> okay, one. Um, yeah. So we, we've got just a couple minutes left before we we wrap up tonight. Uh, so anyone in the in the chat, if you've got any final questions to to throw up, then please do. Um, and yeah, I, I guess just quickly whilst we're sort of free talking, then so obviously. Uh, Rangers won the, the Scottish Premiership yesterday, Joe, and I think uh, Alfredo Morelos and Odson Edwards have both featured as have, I think, Aaron Hickey as well, um, which I think, Owen, that was your piece, if I remember rightly. No, Mer- Mer- yeah, uh, Morelos and, and Edward, yeah, and yeah. David Turnbull is in the current handbook as well by Blair Newman. Um, no, is is it Blair Newman that did it? Yeah, Gosh, it, my... second second yeah. ball is Blair Newman. Yeah, it's Blair, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I guess what I wanted to to put out there is there any other Scottish players that we think could be close to an appearance in the Scouted Handbook, or is that top secret? I mean, I'd be giving away state secrets there. They'd have they'd, they'd be a there'd be a man with a pistol coming in from that door <laughs> over there, and he just put the gun to my head just as soon as this live stream ends. Um, but I mean, it's very much put me on the spot. Uh, David Turnbull is obviously very much up there. Um, you know, who's to say in a few years Stuart McKinstry might be? Um, you know, uh, in terms, I mean, there's always going to be. Sorry, mate, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, no, it's, I'm just, I'm just going through sort of the, the the players in my head, and and I'm trying to come up with a diplomatic way of saying no. <laughs> That's fair. But, but what I was going to say though is in the, in the other 23 Premier League this season, there's been I think Jack Stretton is Scottish yep. and yep. Conor McBride. For Blackburn, they've both um, Stretton plays for Derby and, and McBride plays for Blackburn. They've both been scoring a lot um, for, for 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 their sides. So um, who's to say that you know if, if they don't kick on in future, and um, maybe there might be a possibility. Um, we missed we missed the boat with McTominay. We missed the boat because he's twenty four now. So was, and he and he's ninety six. So you can't even you know argue that he's a ninety seven baby. So can't can't fit him in unfortunately. Just. <laughs> Just can't get the staff, but yeah, Aaron Hickey's a good one. I like how he's adapted in Bologna. Yeah, he's done really well. Uh, so we've got here from Byron who said, maybe a wee bit on the spot, uh, but I'm about to watch him. So any thoughts on Luis Fiorini from Joe, if you've seen at under-18s Premier Leagues or anything? Um, he's got a great link-up with Pierre van Hoydonk's son at, at Breda, doesn't he? Uh, Sydney, I think is his name. Um, I've seen, the only things I've seen of Fiorini is sort of when I've, um, when when things that have been retweeted about him have been, have come onto my timeline, most of that from from Owen actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I mean in in terms of go, talking about players that go abroad and really develop really quickly, I think the Erster Divisie, which is the Dutch second division, is is a good league to go into because it is pretty much geared towards uh, developing young players. You know, there's there's not a great deal of pressure, uh, and you can very much play football in a style that you want to play. Um, so I, I mean, I have to watch a bit more of Breda. The own, uh, I used up my, my all my knowledge about Fiorini with the the dunk quip, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, X Man City. There's always the the potential that you know he, he they, they've spotted something in him years ago. So there's there's the likelihood that you know he's, he's got something there. It's just whether he finds a club, whether he finds a pathway, um, because obviously it's it's all with Man City youth team players. It's always unlikely um, that you'll you'll break through there. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see here. And oh, and maybe I don't know if you want to maybe try and pick this one. I'm not sure how much you would have seen him, Joe, but uh, much insight into Dean Campbell at Aberdeen. I know he's sort of playing as one of the, 
the midfielders. Have you seen anything of him for the Scotland setup at all, Owen? Yeah, I've seen Campbell play a wee bit. Um, be interesting to see him get more minutes at Aberdeen. I can't say that. Um, I mean, he's not been a starter for them really, and it's kind of difficult to. Maybe it's difficult to break through as a central midfielder in McInnes' system, I would say. So you probably it's tough as a young player because you maybe wouldn't get the the regular minutes and the understanding um of the fans and the management and so on to kind of smooth the process through for you. Um but I've liked what I've seen from him. Um I, I guess one to keep an eye on for us. Um and yeah, we've got a comment here from last gen Rich Top Five. <laughs> Kai, Kai Kennedy's our biggest talent. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you probably all know that I'm a big fan of Kai Kennedy and I'm very happy that he's getting to play um, for Wraith Rovers this season. Um, but I, I wouldn't say he's the only one. You know, there's quite a few people. The, the age group that Joe was sort of mentioning there with Stretton and McBride and so on, there's a clutch of players that are pretty positive um, from a Scotland perspective. And particularly if we, you know, some of the ones that maybe we can sort of somewhat poach um, off England, so to kind of take it back to what Joe and Hidetoshi were talking about with Newcastle, um, Elliot Anderson at Newcastle United's one I really, really like. Um, sort of player that we maybe don't really have at the moment, um, and another one to keep an eye on if you're kind of looking out for young Scottish or hopefully Scottish, uh, in terms of um, uh, who they choose to play for. Um, yeah, great. And I think what we'll do is we'll wrap up tonight's stream there. Joe, it's been a pleasure having you on, giving some great insight, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, for those that are in the chat and, and with us, if you can let them know where they can find you on any sort of social media. Um, well, first and foremost, um, Scouted Football is at ScoutedFTBL uh, on, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, If you want to get a hand, a hand on the handbook and stuff, that'll be sfhandbook.com. Uh, um, but for me personally, it's just my name, my, my my name is my at on Twitter. Um, good luck spelling it. If just if, you, if you've if you've heard it, there's all sorts of GHs and As and and the like um, that have been that I get in the post sometimes, which you know it doesn't bother me. But that's why I mention it on a live stream. Um, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's just at, at Joe Donahue um, on on Twitter. Um, if you have any sort of interest in in Leeds, uh, Newcastle young footballers or anything anything like that, really. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time again, mate. And uh, yeah, to everyone that's been with us in chat, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, make sure that you tune into the podcast, which Owen and I will be recording straight after this. Uh, so yeah, take care, everyone, and stay safe.
Oh, 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 oh,